0: horrific court rulings, hate crimes, how you win, and societal advancements. Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent, but no longer the French accent since Glenn Beck stole it this week, but you stay for the principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today, and I want to talk to you about a lot of the things that are happening in your country and around the world that need to be discussed, not from a left-right point of view, but from a principle point of view. It's funny you're going to come to this show and look for principles, right? This world right now is going through a state of chaos. What you see around the world is craziness. But what is fundamentally frustrating for me is we have the solutions we just have to use them. We have to enact them. We have to follow them. Whether you believe those solutions are from scriptures, whether you believe them from your founding principles, we have the fundamental battle of our times going on. And it's not a new battle. It's a battle that's been going on since the dawn of time. It is the law of man versus the law of nature or nature's God, whichever one you want to subscribe to. The fundamental difference between these two principles, these two laws, is one changes with the times. It changes with your opinion. It changes with what's popular. It changes with what's politically expedient. What can we do? Versus what do we, can we not do that we may be able to do in the future? And one is built on the test of time. It's consistent. It never changes. You ask the law of nature, what's true today? You should get the same answer 5 years, 10 years, 500 years from now. Because they're principles eternally true. We have to understand this, but we also have to understand the culture that we're in. And what we need to ask ourselves and understand is, when we have disputes, how do you solve them? How do you solve a dispute? In the old days, when people had disputes, and you know, in the good old days, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago you'd go to your brother or sister and say, hey, we have this problem, let's talk it out. And you'd come to some type of, you know, agreements. There's always been this idea that, you know, there is, should be a legal system for people to seek redress. That, you know, if you have a situation or you have a, a climate where there is no sort of accommodation or no compromise, that, you know, we need a bigger court to make a final ruling. And I'm not arguing for anarchy here. But what you've seen over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years in America, in England, in Ireland, around the world is this rise of TV judges who become these, you know, more TV star and reality star than judges. And you have this system where people just seem to want to sue each other for any type of random stuff. You see this like Judge Judy is a prime example. Judge Judy's in the news this week because, Hey, I want to endorse Michael Bloomberg. Don't care. See you later. Don't want to talk about it. But you see your people like her, Judge Joe Brown. You see all these judges now who are reality stars because they're a judge. And you have this culture where, hey, I have this grievance. I need you to, you owe me $200. You know, I gave you $200, but you think it was a gift and I think it was just, you know, a loan. And you have to give me the money back. Fundamental question we need to ask ourselves is what is the role of the courts? And when should the courts be used? And when you understand that question, you also need to ask yourself, what principles do you want the court to be set upon? Does the following system sound like a reasonable one to you? Whether you're left or right, top or bottom, does the following system sound reasonable to you? That the court system is there for everybody. It can be used anytime by anyone. But it should only be used as a sort of breaking case of emergency. And that the court's job, first off, is to do no harm. Is to follow the law, seek truth, seek justice regardless of of who you are, that justice is blind. But the system of, first, do no harm, does that sound like a reasonable thing to you? Does that sound reasonable? The reason I ask this question is because there's a couple of court cases I want to bring to you. One from America and one from England. Because what you're seeing right now is this aggravation in society where we're just so pissed off at everyone. You know, left, right are all annoyed. Top, bottom are all annoyed. Rich or poor are all annoyed. This is what happens when you are in the law of man. Because no one knows what's consistent. No one knows where they stand. Everyone is on unstable footing. Everyone is on the footing of quicksand. There is no consistency. There is no foundation. There is no self-evident truths. And the reason I'm going to talk about these stories is because we need to address them. We need to discuss them. Because we need to ask ourselves, what type of system and what type of world do we want to live in? The first one I want to talk to you about is a story from Texas. You know, my friends on the right always go, Oh, Texas is awesome. And they look, I love America. Texas is my spiritual home. I love Texas. But Texas is not the freedom loving state everyone wants to make it out to be. It's like Ireland. Ireland is not a freedom loving state. Every, all Irish people are all freedom fighters. No. There's a lot of issues in Ireland. There's a lot of issues in Texas. And the court system this week made a horrific ruling truly horrific scandalous this ruling is so bad that i actually think in 10 20 30 40 years from now if the person involved in this case is still alive and goes through what the majority of people who go through what this person is going to go through survives they have a case for malpractice on the highest order they should sue this judge for this ruling this is the ruling it's a story of a young boy That young young boy is called James Unger. Or as the ruling now says, we have to call him Luna. And what you have is a situation where there is a seven-year-old boy, seven years of age. This is a young boy who, if he was left alone by his parents in a home alone, and someone found out about it, Child Protective Services would be called. This is a seven-year-old boy who can't legally drink alcohol, can't legally have sex with anyone, can't legally vote yet, because the Democrats might change that. Hey, seven-year-olds should vote. Can't serve in the army. Can't, you know, go to certain movies by himself. You know, there's a list of things this seven-year-old boy can't do. We all know them. However, there is one thing this seven-year-old boy can do because we live in a crazy world, this seven-year-old boy apparently can make the decision to, Hey! Hi! I'm no longer a boy, I'm a girl. Hi! This is the world we live in. This went to court, because the court case rulings came out, and what you have is a situation where the boy's parents are separated, and the mother apparently has brainwashed this kid, this poor young boy, into thinking he's a girl now if you bear in mind this is a 7 year old I don't know what you were like when you were 7 I can't remember what I was like when I was 7 but I remember when I was growing up I had all types of crazy dreams of who I was you know we, you know, boys, I, I, I can't speak because I'm not a girl I'm guessing girls do something similar but when I was a 7 year old boy when I was an 8 year old boy when I was a 9 year old boy when I was younger I had many different people who I was I had different fascinations at different times I had a dream where an, a fascination or a, a sort of daydream, and I used to play along with it, where I was the security chief on the USS Enterprise. You know, I used to have the phaser. I had the the tricorder. I had the, the badge, the, you know, the communicator. I had everything. I wore it on my hip. I was the security ambassador, you know, and no one got by me. I'd, I'd, I'd dream myself going into battle with the Klingons, and I had this daydream of where we used to own land, and it was on a hill. And I used to think there was force fields around us, And they used to have to protect us from the Klingons because I literally thought I was the security chief of the USS Enterprise. And my house was the USS Enterprise. Does this sound rational to you? It shouldn't. Because I was seven or eight or nine. I also, at one point in time when I was a lot older, convinced myself I was a Jedi. And this shows you, boys are immature, by the way. You know, as a stereotype. One of the things we used to do is my father used to run a cinema... And literally it was a load of boys and Star Wars was out and Star Wars was the big thing. We would literally dismantle the brush head and play with the, the stick of the brush and think they were lightsabers. Until, And we used to hold them at the end. This shows you how much you change. We used to hold them at the end like a lightsaber. Then Star Wars 1 came out, or Star Wars 4, the fourth Star Wars. And we all of a sudden started holding it in the middle because that twin lightsaber, if you know what I'm talking about. If you're a Star Wars geek, the bad guy, the Sith... The sit Lord had it. That was cool as hell. We all wanted to be that guy. We convinced ourselves. We role play. We do different things. Did any of us think this was real? If I came home and said, hey, I'm a Jedi now. Would my parents say, yeah, that you're a Jedi? Absolutely. Look at you. You look, you have the body of a Jedi. No, because it's role play. You don't take it seriously. You just play along with it. But this seven-year-old boy, this ruling has come out and said, you know what? Yeah, you can be a girl. And one also is the system of that the mother has said this kid has gender dysphoria and wants to be a girl. The key story about this is the reason he wants to be a girl is because, not because he wants to be a girl or he identifies with a girl or he likes dressing up and girl things and wants to talk a bit different. Nope. He likes a cartoon on telly and identifies as it. Now he likes a cartoon that happens to be a girl. I happen to be, you know, the security ambassador. Or the security chief of the US Enterprise. Or a Jedi. Was that any different? If they said it, would you take me seriously? But in a court of law, this judge has said, yep. The other fascinating thing about this system is, first of all, this father has a ruling where everyone he's around, when this young boy is around, they have to refer to him as Luna, not James. But the more troubling thing that really broke my heart about this situation is this has been deemed a medical issue, a medical illness, which now puts the father on the hook, monetary. This father is going to have to pay for this surgery. Now, if you're a rule of law, and this is where uncommon ground, this is all new legal ground that you're going to start seeing facing. What is the role of the courts? Is the rule of the court, should it be to literally change a person's mind? To change a person's mind? Should it be to embrace this idea that could be permanent? That if you go through all the way, you take through all the hormone drugs, you go through all the process, and then eventually you go, you know what? Especially if you're a boy. You know, the thing between your legs, you go, gone, see it, chop suey. She's even the sound, even the, even me saying those words, like, my body just shivers. Oh God, no. Because it, it's a personal. I'm not judging anyone who wants to do this, but just me. It's kind of it, it. Just I don't know, girls. I apologize. You don't know what I'm about to say, but guys, you'll emphasize this. It sounds really sore. You know, like you get hit there. It's sore. Like imagine getting a chop chopped off. But it's permanent. This is irreversible. How do you get this situation? How do you come to this situation where this judge is saying yes? Yeah, Seven year old boy can do make this decision. Look, I get we have to be compassionate. I get people are born confused and there's all these other issues. But should we not be trying to first do no harm? To say, hey, you're seven. You may grow out of it. Let's wait till you get to a point in time. And maybe we have to have this debate as a society where we go, you know what? It's 16. It's 21. It's 25. Whatever it is. You leave the house. That we come to a society agreement that says, when you hit this point, then you can do what you want. But up until this point, let's not push this hassle. Let's not make you make a decision that you cannot reverse. Is this something that we want? What happens when you see all the facts? And this story is so troubling because of the legal ramifications. Because it's Texas. You know, the conservative, freedom-loving movement. You know, all those right-wingers in Texas. This is Texas. If this ruling is coming from Texas, can you imagine what they're writing in California and New York? Can you imagine what precedent this is going to set? But I'm not making the case that we need to change this legally. What I'm making the case is we need to start having these discussions with our fellow people. The church needs to step up and start having these conversations from the pulpits. What do we want to do? What world do we want to live in? Because literally the only thing that you can take for consistent, the law of man and the law of nature, one is fluid, one moves, one changes, and one is consistent, is what you're born with. This idea that we're assigning gender because of how you act. Listen, when I was growing up, I used to hang around with girls who were rather, some girls who were rather, I don't know, you know, guy-like. They weren't guy-like in looks. They were like they played sports. They, you'd look at them, kind of go, mm, I don't know, they're different. They're not like the, you know, hey, I want to brush my Barbie's hair and I want to put plaits in my Barbie's, you know, hair and and look, oh, there's Ken and let's give Ken a big kiss and none of that. We, they played sports is there anything wrong with that if you fundamentally believe in the individual no you can be a guy and be really feminine i remember there was a story a couple of years ago and people questioned you know some questions people gave me abuse for it there was a guy who i supported he was getting bullied in school because he liked my little pony if you believe fundamentally in the individual that's cool i i not i'm i'm a big guy i'm I don't know if I'm macho or, you know, I don't know what way you describe me because I don't build into those type of words. But I'm not My Little Pony fan. I don't know anything about My Little Pony. But if My Little Pony makes you like, laugh and makes you smile and makes you happy, go watch My Little Pony. Likewise, there are kids today that like Barney. I don't get it. I'm a Tom and Jerry Flintstones kind of guy. I'm older. I'm old school. Cool. But that's cool. If you believe in the individual, you can be anything you want to be. If you want to be a guy that's more effeminate or more macho, cool. If you want to be a girl that wants to be more macho or more effeminate, cool. Be you. Be who you are. Embrace who you are. Unless you're a bad person, then try and change for the better. But you know what I'm trying to say here? Be a better you. But if, if that's what you like, go for it. If you're, if you're a girl that likes Star Wars, go for it. If you're a guy and like My Little Pony, go for it. What's the problem? But we're having this culture where, no, we got to change our genders. You're, you've got gender dysphoria. And the rates of suicide, even if you just care about the emotion, we have to ask ourselves, what can we do better to help these people? Because the rate of suicide among people who change their gender is higher than normal people. And I don't mean normal as in, hey, you're unnormal if you go through this. But I mean through a system where you don't go through this, you, you're suicide. You're less likely to commit suicide than you are if you are going through this. From a human point of view, is that something we want? Is that something we're comfortable with? Hey, we're okay with people killing themselves because they're not happy. Maybe this isn't a gender thing. Maybe this isn't a sexual thing. Maybe this is just struggling to identify as who they are. Do we have a role in this? And I ask this as a Christian. What is the Christian's role? Is it to judge? Is it to condemn? Or is it to love? The second story is even more troubling in my eye, in some ways. There's a case in England over custody and the judge in his ruling and I quote apologized to the loving father who is now prevented from seeing his children because they're alienated from him after their mother spent years demonizing. This is a case over custody and the judge said this is a father who plainly loved his children but he still ruled with the mother. What system do we want to live in? There is a system, when it comes to kids, in a legal system, where if you're a man, you have virtually no rights. Now, I'm not defending, I'm not saying, hey, men should have all these rights and women shouldn't. I'm not saying anything like that. But should we justice be blind? This idea of you have a kid and you're married or you're not married, regardless, doesn't matter. And you decide for whatever reason you two just can't be together. What is your role and responsibilities? Yes, your responsibilities to that child. So many times in my past you know, charity work, I saw I dealt with a lot of single parent families. And a lot of those were single mother parent families. And they would literally use their kids as a weapon. Is that right? Who wins there? Who loses? The idea of the Hippocratic Oat, first do no harm. How about we act that in our lives? How about we act that in our lives? Our kids are not a weapon. Our kids are there to be loved, to be cherished, to be supported, to be encouraged, to help them grow and reach their God-given potential. Whether we're together or not. But this case, because this woman is a mother even though she acted wrong and the judge admitted that in the ruling, because she is a woman, because she's a mother, she automatically gets the kids. It's very hard to overrule that. Is that a system of justice that is blind? Or is that a system of justice that is biased? These are the questions we need to start asking ourselves. I know everyone wants to talk, Oh my God, the impeachment of Donald Trump. Oh, and the Republicans stormed the meeting. Look, that can't change your life. There's very little impact this can have on many parts of your life. Cause the Democrats even don't know what they're doing. I'm, I don't read your politics cause quite honestly I'm at a point where not only do I find it frustrating, but I find it boring. Where the Democrats one day are coming, yeah, oh, we're gonna impeach that son of bitch by Christmas. And then the other one's like, yeah, I don't think we're gonna do nothing. It's all a political theater. It's kabuki theater. It's all here to give you hits. The politicians get in the news, they get all the interviews, and TV stations get their ratings. Oh, Donald Trump's impeached. Oh, Donald Trump's not impeached. The principle of this is incredible. You're having secretive meetings. But yet, somehow, in these secretive closed-doors meetings, gee, an awful lot of leaks seem to spring. Maybe it's just all theater. That can't affect your life. I get it's important issue. If you're a big pro-Trump supporter or never-Trump or whatever you are and you're like, I really care about this issue, justice needs to be done. I agree justice needs to be done. But this can't really affect your life. These cases can. I'm not saying dismiss and don't talk about the impeachment. What I am saying is we need to have a balance. We can t- focus on politics and what's going on in the court system and what's going on in the culture and fight all of them. Because the answers are the same. We need to have the same conversations, but about different stories. The conversations based around principles. Because all of these stories all come back to us. What do you want your system of government to be? What do you want it to be? What do you want the courts to do? Because if we don't have these conversations, and soon, guys and girls, what rulings will go against you? What rulings, crazy rulings, will come from the courts that will set ungodly principles and precedents for future cases that may involve you? You're literally having a court in Texas, and God bless you, Texas, I love you, where you're saying a seven-year-old boy, not because he wants to but true force of his mother and because he sees a cartoon on telly, is saying yeah you can definitely have it and not only can you have it but the father has to pay for it does this seem like justice to you does this seem like the right thing to you something to consider show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. Every Saturday. You can't miss it. If you listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Spotify, Omni FM, uh, CastBox, you name it. Wherever platform you decide to use, whichever is your personal favorite, whichever you love, embrace your platform. Please subscribe. Also, if you happen to listen on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. That helps the algorithm for new listeners to find us. And I can't do this and get this message out of principles and of American principles and founding principles out without your help. So please subscribe and share it with a family and your friends. The next principle I want to talk to you about, and this is arguably more important or if not as important as what we just discussed. That is the idea of speech. Speech. There is a poll been released this week and it came out on Thursday that said 51% of Americans say the First Amendment goes too far in allowing hate speech and should be updated to reflect today's quote-unquote cultural norms. This survey was conducted by the Campaign for Free Speech. Oh joy, don't you love having a campaign for free speech and then you put out a poll and 51% say yeah, no free speech. I want to have this conversation with you, and I want to use a story that came out in England this week, because I I want to talk to you about free speech. And I want to, this story is a bit fun, and it's going to poke a lot of fun at me, because that's what I do pretty good. That's my talent in this world. I used to be able to do French accents, but then Glenn stole it from me a lot this week, but I'm going to poke a bit of fun at myself, but I want to make a point. Free speech. Free speech. You have a God-given right, according to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, a right to free speech. What is wrong with free speech? What aspect of free speech is wrong? I would argue free speech, and I would promote free speech for several reasons. First of all, it goes back to the first principle your founders spoke about in the Declaration of Independence. We're all created equal. If we're Having a politically correct speech, quote unquote, or we have a a speech that, ooh, is deemed not according, not appropriate for cultural norms, quote unquote. You don't have equality. What you have is a select set of people, whether it's government or otherwise, who say, you can't say that. That makes them the master and me the serf. But secondly, it also violates the principle that was in the Declaration of Independence and mentioned. And is included in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights that was removed from the Declaration of Independence, where they said you have a right to property, you were an individual. And then they changed that for slavery arguments because they didn't want slavery to be included. They were not while they were slaveholders, they were men of principles and men of honor. But that's not what I want to talk about. The idea of you have a right to your conscience. If you look at the First Amendment, that pretty is what the First Amendment says. You have a right to free speech. You have a right to petition your government. You have a right to assembly. You have a right to your religion. You have a right to freedom of religion. You choose whether you want to be atheist or not. They are all pretty much saying the idea of you have a right to your conscience. You have a right to your thoughts. You have a right to your deeds. That I don't come, hey, you can say anything you want and not have punishments. There could be punishments. You know, as much as I, you know... We might want to at times i can't run into my place of work going hey you know america's awesome america's brilliant the constitution the founding fathers were awesome socialism sucks as much as actually I, i'm i not that type of person but you know as much as you might want to at times because my company is proudly progressive and stuff but they're a good company to work for no problems with them at all they don't pass on me i do my job i do my job well they pay me get on with most people 99 percent the people no issues I'm not going to bring my politics in. They they might embrace gay marriage and different things. And they might be very pro-socialism. Cool. I'm not going to embrace my my principles in there. I'm not going to t- promote them. Why? Because there's no need. It's my job. I do it elsewhere. So there's responsibilities that goes along with freedom. You might lose your, you know, you might lose your family. You might, you know, fall out with your family if you're, if you're a really bad person. You might lose your job. You might lose your standing in your church. But you have the idea of not being shut up. You have a right to your conscience. So what is bad speech? And more importantly, what is hate speech? Now I want to be very crystal clear about two principles here. The first principle is one of the most defining quotes that set me on my path to freedom. was a quote by Voltaire. And it made me think long and hard about it. Because it's really, there's a lot of speech I see from people and from all people on all sides. that I go, I don't like that. I don't like the way you do that. I don't like the way you say that. I don't like the language you use. But the Voltaire speak quote was, I may not like what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. That's That quote gave me a lot of sleepless nights. Because it's that quote that under fundamentally highlights the principle of everyone is okay with the freedoms they're comfortable with. Whether you're left or right, Democrat, Republican, conservative, libertarian, if you agree with a freedom, there's no argument over it. It's the freedom where you're like, geez, do I have to, do I have to say they have a right to say that? Yes. Because of the principles I just mentioned, the right of conscience and we're all created equal. What is hate speech? What is hate speech? Is hate speech any insult? Is hate speech, where's the line on hate speech? Like if someone walked up into a, let's just give you some examples where I'm going to use myself as an example. And then you've never seen a picture of me. You're lucky, but I'm not the best looking guy. I'm not George Clooney. I'm not Brad Pitt. Right? I'm overweight. I've struggled with my mate my whole life, my whole life pretty much. I try and lose it. It's, it's a long journey and I'm going to get there eventually. But if someone walked up into the street, whether they know me or don't know me is irrelevant. And they went, you fat piece of fill in the blank. Do I have a right to silence that person? Do I have a fundamental right? Does my pain negate their right to free speech? Now, am I saying that's a good idea? No. Do I think it would be fun if, like, if someone ran up to me? Well, to be honest, with me, if it was me, I'd just probably laugh because I've heard it so many times. It's, it's it's like saying, hey, John, you want a hamburger? It's, uh, yeah, of course. It's It just becomes, I'm, I'm used to it. I've become well-groomed to insults. But should I have the right to say, you can't say that to me. You know, that I'm a fat piece of, you cannot say that to me. Do I have that right? Do I have the right to get government involved and say, they called me a fat piece of fill in the blank. They can't say it to me. Do my rights trump theirs? Now you may say, well, John, look, the world we live in, no one cares about fat people. You know, everyone can make jokes about fat people. Everyone can say you're a fat piece of crap. Doesn't matter. That's not a line. But if you said you're a black fat piece of, then it's racist. Or if you went to anti-Semitism. Where does the line happen? And why is there a line when it comes to speech? And should there be a line? Now, the second principle I want to talk to you about in speech, because people will always say, oh, you're defending everyone. Oh, there you go, you white supremacist, John. There you go. Oh, you're defending racism. No, I think if, let me say this for the one billionth time, Uh, regardless of what race you are, whether you're black, orange, black, white, orange strawberry the color of the rainbows if you judge a person by the content of the character i think you're good if you judge them by the skin color i think you're an idiot i don't see any reason anyone can judge anybody positively or negative because of their skin color oh they're white they're good oh they're black they're bad no you're an idiot there is that blunt enough for the the people who listen to what there's john the white supremacist oh john the kkk really i despise all of them but is there a line because here's the thing i always say just because i defend your right to say it doesn't mean you should there's not this is a principle a lot of people need to understand especially on social media i will defend your right to say any garbage that you want any asinine conspiracy theory that you want doesn't mean you should say it There should be some type of filter on your system that goes, you know what, maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe, maybe just maybe I should hold back on this one. The reason I share this is because where is this line of hate speech? And I want to give you a question. And there's a reason I'm sharing this question. We'll have a bit of a laugh about this story, but it's deadly serious and it's going to end badly in the United Kingdom. And no, I'm not talking about Brexit. Let's say, I'll use an, a historical example. And I'm going to go very stereotypical here. I'm, I'm going to play up free. you. know, Let's be all stereotypical. I was the typical boy, when I was growing up, had a huge crush on Jennifer Anderson when she was in Friends. Uh, most guys did. Most guys. And if, you, if you're a guy and you say, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like Jennifer Anderson. I didn't think she was good looking at all. You're lying. I'm sorry. Break this to you. Ladies, if your boy says this to you, he's 99% sure he's lying. Or maybe he's gay. But every guy had a crush on Jennifer Anderson for a period of time and maybe you still do. She's a good looking girl and she had that cracking smile. If I walked up to Jennifer Anderson, if I was like, you know what, Jennifer, I think you know, you're having all these guy problems, you know, you're you know, Brad Pitt broke your heart, you know, Jennifer, I love you. I'm freedom's disciple. Will you go out on a date with me? And she goes and she just looks at me, goes, Hell no. Huh? look at you and look at me. Hell no. Is that hate speech? Is that hate speech? Could I go, oh my god, that's hate speech. I, you, I'm i going to sue her. She said no to me. Why couldn't I? Because most people would laugh, right? Now let's use another example. And there is a reason. Bear with me. There is a reason I'm sharing this and talking about it this way. In my life, I'm really blessed. I have many situations which I have... I have done many things that most people can never dream of doing. You know, I've spoken to 10 million people on audiences. I've spoken in front of crowds. I've got to speak, you know, many different occasions. I am so honored and humbled to be able to do this. I have a show on The Blaze. It's incredible. I am truly blessed. I know about freedom when so many other people don't. There are certain places in my life I'm not blessed. One of those is women. Now, let me give you a scenario. I hear have always sucked with women and let's say I'm the typical guy and all I, I go, you know what? I haven't been with a woman in geez, a long time. And I just want to have me some, by the way, if there's kids in the room, you might want to take them away for this analogy. I just want to have some sex, but because of who I am, because of the way I look, just can't get any, just, just can't get any. And I come up with this scenario in my head. You know what? And excuse, if I'm... This is not the most factual example. I apologize. I don't know how you'd go about this. But let's just play along for the routine. I went, you know what? I haven't had sex in a really long time. I'm going to go find someone to have sex with. And then I go to, presumably, some website. And I go... Hey, Freedom's Disciple here, Irish guy, six foot one, three hundred pounds, bald head, loads of money. That's cause that's play. You know, we're given a fantasy world, so I may as well say I have loads of money. You know, you know, really fun, can do a really good accent, you know. Nice and friendly, just lonely, want to have some sex. Please reply. And all these women start replying to me, because of course, look at me. And then I start talking to this woman, and you know, she's we start engaging and You know, I'm going to pay her to have sex with me. And then all of a sudden I ask for a picture. And she sends me a picture. And let's go again with the stereotypical, you know, stereotypical guy thing. She's a brunette. And I go, you know what? Look, you're a really nice girl. And look, it's nothing personal, but just, you know, I'm going to pay for this. I just want to have sex with a blonde haired girl. Just, I want a blonde. Blondes have more fun, baby. And that's what I want. And I reject her because, hey, I wanted a blonde. Is that hateful? Is that wrong? Is that a hate crime? Why am I sharing these funny, poking fun at myself analogies? Because this most people listening to these analogies would go, no. Hell no. Absolutely not. Most people, if they were thinking about the prostitute one, would go, you know what? It's your money. You pay for what you want. Well the reason I just didn't do this to poke fun at myself or to have a bit of fun with you, I actually did this because I want to talk to you about a story from the United Kingdom. There is a case in the United Kingdom, currently been heard, of a hate crime. And this hate crime is really appalling. This is the story of a (coughs) beautiful young girl (coughs) who only had one little wish in life. And she, you know... You know, I, I'm going to address the haters because people are going to listen to me going to go, John, what was your problem with this? She's just pursuing her happiness. She was just chasing her dreams. Cool. No problem with it. But she had this dream. She grew up and she, she was, <clears throat> I just want to be a porn star. And I want to have sex a lot. And well, she was doing everything she could. And she got chatting to this guy on one of these presumably sites that you go to have sex and hook up and do whatever else. And, well, they got friendly. And this guy, you know, as guys would never do, guys never lie. Especially when they want sex. Guys never lie. So this was totally factual. But he was going to pay to have sex with her. He was going to video record them having sex. He was going to help her get into the porn industry. And, oh, he promised her the sun, moon, and stars. Because, guys, yet again, I repeat this, ladies. When guys want sex, guys never, ever, ever lie. It's the thing guys never do. Guys are always truthful when they want that. But what happens? So where's the hate crime, John? You're probably going, where's the hate crime? The hate crime comes in when a little detail came out and he stopped talking to her. That little thing is... um how do you say this nicely? Oh, the, the pretty little girl uh, had a little extra equipment between their legs. This has been called a transphobic attack. This has been called a person suffering from transphobia. And this has been vilified in society. That this is wrong. Now, what I find hilariously int- interesting, and, and, and rather, if, if I didn't care about the world and the course and the trajectory it was on, I might laugh at the irony of, oh, so it's wrong and morally wrong to worry about having sex with a girl who's a guy, but totally normal and moral to have to have sex, just to pay someone for sex. That's totally fine. That's totally upstanding, and that's the world we want to live in. That's the moral equivalency. That's what we're seeing in society right now. That is a case, and while I don't know the ins and outs of this case, going on the history of England and what it's doing right now and the craziness in the court system, I would say there's a really good chance at least 70-30 this guy is found guilty. Now, I don't know what the fine might be. It might be a, a fine of money. It might be a jail sentence. It might be both. I'll keep you updated on that but these are the stories that we need to ask ourselves these are the stories we need to share in a funny way in a serious way whichever suits you the best but these are happening right around the world guys these are happening and they're going to start coming for us and while we might think oh that's a funny story that could never happen for me that could never happen to me hey i i'm not going to be that how do you know how do you know you could be out one night and see, you know, I'll, I'll use the guy, you know, you're out one night and you're, you're boogie woogie and you're dancing, and you're, you know, you're breaking a move and you look over at the bar and there's a girl and she's shooting you the eye and you shear her the eye and raise your eyebrows and go <coughs> wink and hey, hey. And she winks back at you and she smiles and you're like, Hey, hey, I'm onto a good thing here. And you walk up to the bar and you go, Hey, how you doing? because we're we're doing friends so we may as well use the whole family analogy you know so hey how you doing baby i'm joey truviani how you doing can i buy you a drink you get her a drink and you have a discussion and you find out she's really interesting and you're like mm, you're it's a nice looking girl mm, i'm on to here i could be on to something and then boom you find out she has an extra piece of equipment what do you do what do your kids do or maybe some ruling happens that some legal scholar writes some great opinion and then all of a sudden starts the precedent for something else. Because bear in mind the decision that you everyone goes crazy about in America the Roe versus Wade the big phrase in Roe versus Wade right to privacy didn't come from the case of Roe versus Wade. It came in a case versus Connecticut in the 1950s about contraception about a totally made up story. The legal, that case was defeated, but the minority decision written by a justice, Blackman wrote about the right to privacy. And that was the foundation for Roe versus Wade. What cases are we going to start hearing in courts? In England, in Ireland, in Europe, in America, around the world, that's going to start a precedent. Even in a losing decision, that, that little phrase will start something that will lead to something horrific like Roe versus Wade. We need to start having these conversations. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can focus on the politics. You can focus in on impeachment. You can have your impeachment diet all you want. But you also need to focus in on the culture, on the court system. Because there's a rot in the court system if you believe in principles. There is a big rot and we need to discuss it and address it. And the church, I'll speak to just Christians here, If you're in a church, your pastor, your priest should be speaking about these issues. Not from a hateful point of view, but from a principled point of view. The churches need to take a role and stand for what is morally right and be a foundation for the world to build on once again. I'm on social media, guys. I'm on Twitter, Freedom Disciple, on Facebook, Jonathan JonathanDunn58. Get in touch with me, drop me a, a friend request, drop me a follow, send me a message. I love engagement with you guys when you, even when you tell me I'm wrong. You know, you guys message me and all I ever ask is be respectful. You go, hey, I disagree with you and we'll have a discussion. And I, I always enjoy when we have discussions based around principles. I do always say that if I'm, if I don't reply straight away, it's just because I'm crazy busy and I have a full time job. I do this show and I do other stuff as well. I want to talk to you about your culture again. And I want to talk to you about your society. But I also want to address an email. My gosh. And this kind of came from what I spoke about last week. But I want to re-emphasize a couple of points. And I want to address this person. John. You need to understand. That there is an existential threat to conservatism, liberty, liberty, and the freedom movement. Stop being so damned principled. Do you think the Democrats would do this? Drives me absolutely mad. Be principled and see how this works as you get steamrolled by the Democrats. I want to talk to you about this email that I saw, but also I want to talk to you about the culture. First off, I get this question or this variation of a message, and I see other people get it as well, on a semi-regular basis with people who disagree with this show. Because i make everything on this show about principles. I'm not a party guy. I'm not a team guy. I'm not on a train. Just see how I see see the world and break it down to a core principle and discuss it with you guys. But let's actually understand this. Because what you actually need to understand about the Democrats is, and this always annoys people when I say this, the Democrats especially... The less moderate ones, the AOCs, the Bernie Sanders, are generally very principled people. People always laugh when I say this, or they get angry. and They go, what do you mean they're principled? What principles do they know? What principles do they support? John, you're crazy. Okay. You have to actually understand your history. And you have to understand the battle that we are in. If you believe in liberty and you believe in freedom, you believe in the law of nature. It's consistent. It never changes. They don't. They are crystal clear about this. Sure, they may use the Constitution when it sees them fit and it gives them an argument to use. They only pull out the Constitution when, hey, this becomes useful. Let's use this. They are basing everything they do on the law of man. They want government to be the central power. They want government to be the central authority, and they want to be its figurehead. Whether you're AOC, whether you're Bernie Sanders, whether you're Elizabeth Warren, whether you're Joe Biden, whether you're Hillary Clinton, it does not matter. The names change, the role doesn't. What all is different is they all want to get to the same place. And I include Republicans in this, by the way. What they differ on is the extremity of, the extremity of the policies and how long it takes to get there. And how much you're willing to compromise on the road to get there. Elizabeth Warren will still say, Oh, gee, I'm a capitalist. Baloney. That's like hot air. That's all that is. I'm a capitalist. You're about as capitalist as I am socialist. They will use it. They think, oh, well, I have to say I'm a capitalist because I'm an American. But I'm really a socialist. I'm really a progressive Alinskyite. I'm really a Marxist. But gee, I'll say I'm a capitalist because that will sound good to Americans. It won't frighten them. Because they have to progress very slowly. But the principle, and I'll use a couple of principles to prove my point. Democrats are very principled. In some ways, I actually admire the Democrats in a sick, twisted kind of way because they will keep peddling the same crap, baloney, and hot air time and time again whether they win, lose, or draw an election. You want some examples of this? Climate change. If you look at poll after poll after poll after poll after poll after poll. You getting bored yet? After poll after poll after poll. poll. Americans never risk Sorry, Americans never list climate change as the top issue. They never even rank at number two, number three, number four, number five. It's usually down the bottom around, depending on what's going on in the culture at the time, anywhere between two and five percent. Oh, but climate change is all over the news. You see politicians doing rallies. Oh my God. We only have a hundred days to solve our climate chaos. We only have 500 days to climate change. We only have 10 years to climate devastation. Please help us. Oh my God. Doesn't work. The American people don't buy us. All this baloney they talk about. Hey, the wor-, literally, they literally have said, you know where you, certain places you live in America, it's going to be underwater. American people, two, four percent. Two to five percent, two to six percent, two percent, three percent. No matter what they say, it never, ever changes. But yet they keep peddling it. What is that if that's not consistency? What is that if that's not, you know what, America, we're going to keep peddling this stuff whether you buy it or not. Whether we win an election, we're going to do it. Another one, gun control. You know, every time there's an election, regardless of where polls, regardless of what happens, regardless of who's running for president, for house, for Senate, for local districts, they're going to talk about gun control. You don't need an AR-15. You don't need an AR-47. Yeah, damn right we're going to take them off you. They're going to peddle that same crap all the time. You may not like the principles they support, but they are principle people. The principle is not a principle in that we talk about free speech or as a principle in, you know, you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their principle is very simple. Their principle is power. Their principle is control. Their principle is government. Because here's the way they see you. They see them as the master. They see themselves as worthy, uber smart people. We just got this life down. We're so smart. We're so smart that we can tell you what to do. We don't have to worry about our own lives. We got that down. We're so smart. We got time left over. We're going to tell you how to live your life and you better comply. You better comply. But here's the truth. Your culture. You may have sensed this in my voice over the last couple of weeks, but I've got a new sense of optimism. And a lot of people are questioning it. They like, oh, go, why are you so optimistic? You seem to have a lot more faith in the American people than I do. Because deep down, you have to ask yourself one question Are the American people fundamentally good or bad? And this is the same truth about Irish people, or about English people. Are they fundamentally good or bad? Now, tr- guys, look, I, I get the argument that people fundamentally suck. I work around retail. I see people in shopping centres, I see people in shopping malls, I see people in shops, they are as ignorant as crap. I it happens on a daily basis where someone will hit me with a trolley. And I don't mean like brush off, I mean full force hit me in a leg, in my stomach, in my shoulder, in my side, in my foot will will one person actually a couple of days ago literally put a trolley over my foot. The trolley went bum 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 bom because the two wheels went over they will do that all the time and they won't even say sorry they won't even go oh i'm sorry i didn't see you there now i'm a big guy so it's like bullshit you did see me i'm big i'm 300 pounds it's not like i'm casper i'm not like hey i'm i'm only five foot two and like 92 pounds you i blend in with everything you see me you see me a mile away but even when you put the trolley off my foot person just kept on going as if, well, why were you there? You shouldn't have been in my way. I, I'm going to get some bread. I'm going to get some pasta. I'm going to, I'm going to buy some shoes. Get out of my way. So trust me. You don't. If you work in retail, you know my pain because you, you share it. You don't need to tell me an argument that people suck. I get that, but fundamentally, deep down, most people are decent. There's always going to be those idiots, those a holes, whatever words you want to use. Those bad people that are just ignorant. Those people who, you know, just will cut anyone off just to get a bit better, better head or do anything to get a better deal. There, there's always going to be those people, but there's also good people who will, you know, will stop. And when they that person sees, hey, that person put a trolley over your foot, they weren't involved, They'll stop saying, "Are you okay?" Or what? Can you believe that person? They that they just put a trolley over your foot? Are you all right? they their ignorance. You'll always have those people. You will have people who are fundamentally good and bad. So I get the sense of everyone sucks. I also get it when you're so hyper-political that you are right now. Where if you're on the left, you automatically think anyone who's a Republican is bad, is racist, is, you know, Nazi-like. And if you're on the right, everyone who's a left is a socialist, loving, hippie, progressive. Who wants just free drugs, man, and free sex. I get it. I get it. But our deep down the american people fundamentally good because why i have so much hope is whether it's intentional or whether it's just they're getting lazy is the progressives if you study the progressive movement over the last 10 15 20 years and let's just focus on the last 10 years under barack obama The progressive argument was rather hard to beat at times because you had this president, Barack Obama, who was so smooth. He was so silky. He, he, you know, gave good speeches. He gave speeches in front of Greek coliseums. He, He was just seemed like this likable guy to the average American, not to you and me, but to the average American. He was relatable. It was hard to argue against it. It was hard to argue against when he spoke. The only time that he ever gave some glimpses where he showed a bit of leg, quote unquote, was when he started speaking off the cuff. Then he started to let the old radical out every so often. By the way, I'm not saying he is a good guy. I'm just saying that was the perception. It was rather hard to overcome it. You look at the arguments that are happening in your culture right now. Look at the arguments that are happening and ask yourself, does the average American buy that? Let me give you some examples of some stories that happened this week that I want to talk to you about. And they're all political, but I don't want to make them about politics. But I just want to ask you a question. Who believes it? The first one is Tulsi Gabbard. Right. I, I, I have some, I, I roll quote unquote with some libertarians. Right. I don't get their fascination with Tulsi Gabbard. I, I don't get it. I see all some libertarian friends and like, oh my God, Tulsi, I love you. You're awesome. I I don't get it. I don't, you know, especially if you, from the two points, liberty point of view, c- the girl is not liberty loving in any way, sense or form. Right? From a f- foreign policy, because my libertarian friends go, oh, Jamba, have you seen our foreign policy? Yeah, it sucks. She wants to be part of the Iran deal. Does that seem like a good idea to you? You giving more money to Iran? Just th- just think about that for a minute. I'll wait. Does that seem like a good course where you want to get in bed yet again with Iran? But I don't hate Tulsi Gabbard. I don't I don't agree with her on I don't think anything. But I will say this, and I said it at the time, and some people said, "Why are you saluting a Democrat?" What she did a couple of we- weeks ago or a couple of months ago now, I've never seen another candidate do it. And I put it out to you guys and said, "As am I wrong? Has anyone else done this? Let me know. Because I'll correct the record if I am. When I said, she suspended our campaign to go serve America overseas. She could have easily said, you know what? Look, I'm running for president. Look, I, I've done my time. Look, just call someone else. She didn't. She went and served her country and then came back onto the campaign. But she's been attacked this week by many different people, including YouTube. Because that's what YouTube does, that's what Google does, you know. If you're a threat to the establishment or you seem quote unquote semi semi moderate, you're attacked. You're gotta be pulled down because you don't go against the machine. But this week Hillary Clinton came out and said, Not only is she against the machine and against the establishment, she's a Russian spy. She's a Russian operative. Really? Does the average American who knows nothing about Tulsi Gabbard, who just knows she served and she's running for president, is anyone going to go, ah, yeah, Russian spy, yes, absolutely. Let's hang that woman for treason. No. The average American either will go, I don't care, or not a chance. Again, I disagree with Tulsi Gabbard on 99.999%. And that's just giving her the benefit of the doubt. I would flat out say 100, but, you know, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. She doesn't hate America. But this idea that, hey you're a Russian operative. The people are starting to, those progressives are starting to let their masks off. And I think right now, the reason I have optimism is they're doing it. And if we can manage it and counter with principles, freedom wins. Because this is not who America is. And if it is, maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think this is who your people are. The second example is from our favorite Irishman, You know, the guy who gives me the competition for the title of America's favorite Irishman, but I pipped him at the post because he then decided to embrace his quote-unquote Latino uh, heritage, Robert Francis O'Rourke. Well, Robert Francis this week was out giving a speech because he's running for president, and that's what you do when you run for president. And he basically said in, I think it was Oklahoma or Alabama, in front of a couple of hundred people that, You know what? America at its core is a racist nation. America at its core is a racist nation. And all the applause. Is that what the average American thinks? You see, the problem that we have right now is because we're so politicized, because we're so based on the media, because we're so based on who's running for president, we all base it around those people. Do you think me and... Even if I was a Trump supporter and a Trump voter, do you think me and Donald Trump have anything in common? We don't live any way similar lifestyles. This is not an attack on Donald Trump. Donald Trump lives a life of rather luxury. Goes around on private jets, stays in the best hotels, has probably gold toilets, has a fancy art collection, I'm guessing, has a lot of money in the bank. Me and him have very little in common. We don't live the same life. And guaranteed from now on, he will only live the life that 44 other people have ever done as a former president whenever he steps down, whether it's in 2020 or 2024. So he's going to be in a class all to himself. We don't have anything in common with him. Do you think me and Bernie Sanders have anything in common with regards lifestyle? We don't have anything in common with these people. So why do we insist on saying the average American is just like them? Oh, the average American is like Donald Trump. Or the average American is Bernie Sanders. Or the average American is AOC. No, they're not. They may support them for logical reasons or illogical reasons. For right reasons or wrong reasons. But they're not like them. The average American does not think America is racist to its bone. When you fundamentally write all men are created equal, how can you say America has a racist history? A racist. And racism has been a world problem. Are there racists in America? Yes. Are there racists in America today? Yes. Are there racists in Ireland? Yes. Are there racists in England? Yes. Will we ever overcome racism as an issue? I don't know. Let's say yes, but let's say we do and we're really optimistic about yes, we will overcome racism one day, which will be wonderful. Guess what? Spoiler alert, hate to bring you down and be Debbie Downer. We'll find some other convoluted reason to hate each other. Oh, well, you're, you're the wrong gender. Or you're the wrong size. Or you're the wrong country. You're the wrong this. You don't have the right education. If you read any aspect of human history. You know humans have a long, long, long track record. Of finding any reason to hate someone who's just different to them. Oh, they look different to me. Oh, they talk different to me. Oh, they sleep with different people to me. Oh, they go to a different church to me. If you want to think. Let me just share this with you. And I hate to be all negative. Christians. Christians us Christians, as a general rule, agree on three rather big things. God, Jesus is our savior, and scriptures are either directly from God, or a gift from God, or a roadmap of God. We generally all believe that in some way, shape, or form. Yet you talk about the divisions between Catholics and Protestants, Protestants and Catholics and Mormons, all those tree and Baptists, We find every reason to hate each other. Oh, you are I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, but you're not a real Christian because you're not Catholic or you're not Protestant. We will always find reasons to hate each other. So America races to its bone? No. But what America did do is set itself up on principles. If I had my magic wand, if I had a magic wand and could tell everyone what to do, which, my God, that would be a frightening world my advice would be this keep calm and talk principles because if you make things about principles you are going to win i guarantee it that is not me thinking hey this could happen this is me saying a spoiler don't make things about donald trump don't make things about the republican party make things about principles because if you do you win because deep down What you have right now is absolute craziness from one side. Oh, Tulsi Gabbard's a Russian operative. Baloney. Baloney. The big thing I saw this week, which by God I hope it does because I would love to see it. If you're going to go down, you may as well go down in in flames and have fun. I heard this week Hillary Clinton's thinking about running again. Please do it. If for no other reason, just for my own personal amusement. Just because it would be hilarious. I would love to see America reject you again because it will. But who do you fundamentally think you are? Who are the, who are your American people? And then the last point in that email. Do you think the Democrats would do the same? And we need to stop. They will steamroll us. Do you know what will steamroll us? And here's, I'm going to be very blunt with you. Do you know what steamrolls liberty and freedom? Do you know what steamrolls principles? Anybody who violates those principles. I, think, I'm, I don't know, I'm getting old. I'm getting impatient. But when I see what's happened to your constitution, there seems to be this myth on the right. Oh, it's all Democrats. Oh, every bad decision America's ever made, a Democrat was in power. No. You want to talk about the erosion of liberty, you can talk about the Second Amendment. Oh, the second amendment is sacrosanct. Republicans will never fuck, will never buckle on it. We will never change, change the second amendment. Shall not be infringed, baby. Guess what? Guess what? Bump stocks. Now talking about red flag laws. You want to talk about the one amendment of the constitution. The Republicans needed no help from the Democrats to violate and destroy and just obliterate the fourth amendment. The right to privacy. That is an amendment the Democrats couldn't even touch. The Republicans did it. What agency, like the EPA, was created? Was that created by Republicans or Democrats? Because it wasn't a Democrat. Who took America off the gold standard? Was it Republican or Democrat? Spoiler alert, it wasn't a Democrat. Who came up with the term Hispanic when it came to the census? Was it Republican or Democrat? Spoiler alert, wasn't a Democrat. Liberty is infringed upon by anyone who gets an opportunity. It just so happens, people are always riled up when it's the other side. It's the other side that takes our liberties. You see, it's easy. Remember what I said about human nature? We always just blame the other side. People who are different to us. You want to talk about the erosion of liberty? It's not be less principled. It's be more principled. Because I would ask you to look around the world. Look around the world. Look at Brexit. Look at what's happening. It's absolute chaos. There's now going to be an election right before Christmas. And spoiler alert, if I think what happens happens, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. It's going to be a quagmire. You think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. If you could transport yourself over to Britain and say, hey, I can solve your problems, what would you do? Would it be, let's elect Donald Trump? Or you need Donald Trump? Or you need the Republican Party? Or would you say, you know what, you need principles. You need the principles of nature's law and nature's God. Which would you transport over to them? What makes America, America? What makes America exceptional? What makes America unique? Is it your people? Is it your system of government? Is it the constitution? Or is it the principles you were founded upon? If you look at all the the Middle Eastern countries, all the chaos that's going on, if you look at Israel, look what's happening. Benjamin Netanyahu can't form a government. It's going to be absolute chaos. He's going to have to step down, most likely. And who steps up? God knows. And who takes power? Who becomes the next prime minister? Who knows? If you could go to Israel and talk to them, would it be you need Donald Trump or you need my favorite Republican to be in charge? Or you need the GOP? Or would you say, no, you need principles? If you looked around at other places that are going through civil wars and riots and all types of anarchy, all the different issues in Europe, in Tunisia, in Chile, would you say, oh, you just need Donald Trump or the Republican Party over there? Or would you say, no, you need principles? anyone who thinks that principles get destroyed and stop us getting liberty i'm sorry maybe you're right but i fundamentally disagree with you we don't need less principles we don't need more compromise what we need is more principles what we need is a set of people who are willing to stand the tide against no matter what comes and say this is fundamentally a self-evident truth and i don't care whether i win whether i lose whether i draw this is the truth So help me God and I will continuously stand for us. That is what your founders did. That is what your founding principles were built upon. This idea of this revolutionary idea where guess what? We automatically, when we reread history, think, Oh, it was easy. And they just fought the revolution and they won. No, it was tough. It was impossible. And for 99% of that revolution, they thought they were going to lose. If you actually visualize yourself as one of the foot soldiers, you automatically thought you were going to lose a lot of the time because so many things happened But for you doing the right thing that you couldn't visualize. Could they have visualized the really harsh winter? Could they have visualized the River Trenton freezing? Could they have visualized the French Armada coming and helping them? No, but they did it anyway. Because they were principled. Because they acted with honor. I'm going to keep telling you this, guys, each and every week, as much as I can, until you start listening. Because you have the roadmap. This world is in chaos. You look anywhere you see it. The world is crying out, not for more compromise, not for, oh, let's just beat the other side. No, what it's calling out for is principles. Because we need stability. We can't even argue that gender is consistent anymore. We need stability. We need some self evident truths. And whether you believe there's something different, let's have that discussion. But I believe in your founding principles. The principles that we are all created equal. And we all have certain rights from our Creator. And we can discuss what those rights are, but life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the property. You have a right to free speech. You have a right to anything you want to do. You can pursue your happiness. You are a right to be an individual. And if it makes you happy, go for it. I want to finish up today's show by talking to you about a couple of stories, just to give you some optimism for the world. Because one of the reasons, if I may share a quick story with you, The Cold War. Ronald Reagan won the Cold War not because he did anything special. Margaret Thatcher didn't win the Cold War. Pope John Paul didn't win the Cold War. The American people won the Cold War. All Ronald Reagan did was, if you go back and listen to any of his speeches, if you ever go back and listen to them, they're really inspiring. But there's always one core message in everything he says. Everything he says boils down to one question. He asked Mr. Gorbachev this time and time again in many different forms, using many different f- phrases, many different types of words, many different, you know, story types. He basically said, look, I've become president. I'm unleashing the American people. I'm I'm letting them pursue their own happiness, what they want to do. i am been placing less of a burden on them towards the government. And they're now innovating again. And this war will all come down to weapons of both natural disasters and both of aggression and defense. Mr. Gorbachev, this war comes down to one question. Who's going to out-innovate the other? My people who are now free and prosperous and happy and looking for an optimistic future. Looking to build something for themselves and their kids and their next generations. Or your people, who you treat as second-class citizens. Who they operate not out of hope, but out of fear. Where they're not hoping and pursuing your happiness. They're operating out of fear of retribution. Out of fear of being dismissed to Siberia. Who's going to innovate the other? And that's why when he started talking about things like Star Wars, and even despite your own government saying, no, we don't have this. He was like, shut up, we do. Mr. Korbujov bought it. Mr. Gorbachev bought it because even deep down he knew a free people will always out-innovate, a control people, a people who just look down upon, a people that is despised. We are making so many advancements, but we must be cognizant of the decisions we make as individuals. Because what you see right now is a culture where everything is about instant gratification, but also convenience. And we do so many things that can potentially hurt us down the road that we don't even think about. But we also have so much greatness inside us through that innovation. Three stories for you just to talk about. The first one, I won't bore you with the details because this is just something I find fascinating. Ten years ago, back in my day, ten years ago, when we were all just young kids and we sang around singing Kumbaya, If one wanted to go to Australia, depending on where you were flying from, you were probably talking about three, four, five flights. You'd hop, you know, if Ireland, I think it was Ireland to Holland, Holland to Dubai, Dubai to Thailand, Thailand to somewhere else, and then on to China. Between three, four, or five flights, depending on who you flew it. This week, the world saw something happen for the first time ever. That was... A company called Qantas. Qantas is an Australian airline. Qantas flew from New York to Australia direct. That is unimaginable 10 years ago. 20 years ago. Not only unimaginable, but unthinkable. Boy, am I great with words. I should get a job on radio. I never butcher words, right? But that idea of going from New York to Australia... Now, I, as a big guy, I say this with a full big guy disclosure, it was a 19 and a half hour flight. If you're anywhere near my size or even in the general vicinity, I think you're crazy. Unless it's like a flatbed where you're parallel and you can literally lie for 19 and a half hours, no problem. But if you've got to sit in an airline seat for 19 and a half hours, I had to go to Chicago a couple of months ago. It was eight hours and I wanted to go crazy. I was like, oh, are we there yet? 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 After 19 and a half hours, whew, man, that sounds horrible. But that type of innovation, that type of idea, that type of exploration, how does that happen? Does that happen because some bureaucrat is sitting going, you know, what we need we need direct flights from New York to Australia. Or does it happen because of innovation? Because of innovation in the airline industry? Because of innovation and demand for, hey, let's fly from New York to Australia. Second story. Last week when I was doing the show, I was a bit frustrated for a couple of reasons. One is, I was having a couple of things break. One of the things, I can't remember if I told you guys or not, but my telly broke. And I, I guess I'm like you guys, like everyone else, is, you know, when you don't have money, it doesn't happen very often, but all of a sudden one month will come along where you look at the bank account towards the end of the month and you're like, hmm, I still have some money left over. Oh, yes. I'm ahead. Oh, yes. And then I found some money. I was like, yes. I'm ahead. I've got some money to spare. Yay, throw a party. What am I going to spend this on? What will I possibly do? Will I get my hair done? Will I, you know, straighten my hair? Maybe I'll get a few curls. Maybe I'll, you know, put a bit of dye in it, become blonde, have more fun. Will I get my nails done? What what will I do? Well, that answer was pretty quickly found out for me but it wasn't me deciding what to do it was basically the universe told me what i needed to do i needed to buy a new tv so i proceeded to buy a new tv i bought a 55 inch flat screen tv ultra high def all the mod cons it's it's a really nice tv it's big it's awesome when i was watching sports however this cost me about 550 dollars 600 dollars depending on the exchange rate why am I telling you this story? Not to tell you about my life, to talk to you about a principle. Ten years ago, how much would a flat screen TV be? How much would a flat screen TV be ten years ago? Look at the advancements we're making in society. Let me give you one example. Ten, eleven years ago, twelve years ago, maybe it was my boss, Glenbeck. You know the uber rich Glenbeck. You know the millionaire, billionaire Glenbeck. You know the private jet wheeling and deal and kiss deal and son of a gun Glenbeck. That guy, yeah, that guy. The guy, we have, monetary-wise, nothing in common. His bank account my bank accounts. Well, actually, sorry, that's a lie. There is something in common. We both have a lot of zeros, except he has other numbers in front of the zeros. I don't. 10, 12 years ago, he bought a flat-screen TV. You buy a flat-screen v- screen TV 10, 12 years ago, you are like the uber-rich. You're like the millionaire and billionaire. You are literally in Trump's league having a flat-screen TV 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago. Now, anyone can buy one. How does that happen? How does that happen where, guess what? A TV, a 55 inch screen TV is now 500 bucks. And I'm not talking about a cheap one. I'm talking about, it was Samsung. How does that happen? Does some bureaucrat make that happen? Does some government agency make that happen? Does some, is there some government law that was passed that says, you do this, this is the law, and this will bring down prices for TVs? No innovation competition made that happen where it becomes common nature to have a 55 inch screen tv we have so much in our world to be grateful for how much are, how honest if we were honest how grateful are we you know how much we have in our culture today you know as much as we want to talk about hey there's a lot of chaos in this world there's a lot of bad things coming we also have a pretty freaking good you know, if you look at the history of the world, whether you believe it's 5,000 years old or a million years old or 10 gazillion years old ever, I don't know what number you believe in. This idea of you going to a room, you flick a switch and you have electricity and lights and heat if you want it's still a relatively new idea. It's still a relatively new idea to go to the toilet inside. Life may suck and there may be a lot of chaos, but we also have to acknowledge we have it pretty sweet. We have it pretty sweet. But as much as we have it sweet, we also must be very, very cognizant of the decisions we make. So, if you're a long-term listener, you know one of the quirky things about me is, I didn't have a phone. Don't use cell phones. Don't have one. I have one now for work. I have to have one for my job, and it doesn't stay on very long because it's a work phone, and... You know, I'm, when I'm working, it's on because I need to be, but when I'm not at work, guess what? Oh, there's my phone. It's off from tomorrow evening. I've, it's a three day weekend for me. It's off all weekend. See ya. Don't want to know the world could burn. I'm not switching on my phone, but it's a new phone and new phones today have an innovation and this phone is really nice. It's a flat screen. It's got all mod cons. It's got loads of different things. And I set it up and I put in a password. And because of what's on it, there's company information on it. I have to, I had to set a secure password or I thought I did. And then someone, I was in a store with someone and we were talking and my phone beeped and I went, sorry, I just have to get this because I'm waiting on a call for for an issue in store. And he sees me putting in my password and he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, opening my password to see who messaged me. He's like, dude, you do know it's 2019, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he took, he took my phone and he gave me my my phone. He said, See this little spot on the back of it? I went, yeah. What is that? That's how you open your phone in 2019. I'm like, what is it? I knew what it was. I kind of guessed what it was when he said that, but I played along. He's like, what you do is you take your fingerprints. Take your fingerprints, and literally what you do is you put your finger over this, you hold it, and then it so only opens for you. So it's the most secure option. This guy then proceeded to tell me how I was irresponsible For doing a password. That was so 2020, 2010, 2011, 2012. Even though my password's quite long. And it's actually annoying when you're trying to get it. Because it's got caps and different things. He's like, that's so irresponsible. Anyone can get your password. But only you have your fingerprints. So someone could steal your phone, get your password. And then they have access to everything that's on your phone. Yet, they need your password. This is the world we live in. Now, I didn't say this to this person because it's a work phone. But if you think I'm giving my fingerprints to a private company, you're crazy. I get that convenience is awesome. I get that, you know, me pressing many buttons, one, two, eleven 11 buttons to enter my password. That five seconds of work takes an awful lot of effort. When I could just simply hold my finger on a button for three seconds. I get the convenience. Wow, I'd save two seconds. But what cost does that come at? Guys, technology is amazing. We are making so many innovations. And what we will see in 2020, 2022, 24, 2030, we literally will witness amazing things. But we must be responsible in how we use these things. This idea of fingerprints, and I know other phones have a retina scan. What world do you want to live in? Especially a world where you're right now, everyone's giving out about all these tech companies. All these people are giving out about, oh my god, Facebook. Oh my god, Twitter. Oh my god, Google. I agree, I agree, I agree. I'm not here to defend them. I'm not here to promote them. But what information are we giving over about ourselves just for the sake of convenience to save two whole seconds in the effort of pressing 11 keys, in my case, or a password? We're giving away our fingerprints. We're giving away our retinas. This is a frightening world we lead to live, we're living in. We have amazing potential, but we also must understand the risks that come with it. And only us can save ourselves. It's not up to the government. It's not up to the government to pass a law saying you can't have retinas scans. You can't have fingerprint scans as a, on your phone to unlock it. It's not the government's job. It's not constitutional. It's not realistic. If we actually want to promote what we believe in, especially about the freedoms and the responsibilities of an individual, we need to start promoting and having these conversations. Hey, guess what? Maybe it's not a good idea for a private company to have your fingerprints. Just something to bear in mind as technology. There's so much hope out there, guys. I firmly believe if you start talking principles, you win. But principles, not about personalities. Because here's the truth to sum up today. Even, and I'll use this about my colleagues, if I said Glenn Beck said something in a circle of people, people will automatically automatically assume if you like him, you'll think he's right. If you hate him, you think he's wrong. And it's not based on what he says. What do you want it to be based on? What he says or about what you think of him? Same with Donald Trump. 50% of the country doesn't like Donald Trump. Donald Trump could say, hey, it's now Saturday because you're listening on Saturday. And 50% of the people go, Well, it's Donald Trump that said that he must be wrong. 50% of the people say he's right because it's Donald Trump. Not about what he says. What do you want to judge it on? Do you want to be judged on the cult of personalities where it's about the people and whether you like them or hate them? Or whether you're ambivalent to them and don't care? Or do you want it to be based around the principles? Because as much as I admire your founding fathers, as much as I love George Washington and could read about him all day, as much as I love people like John Adams and Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, as much as I love them, they pale in comparison to your founding principles. Your principles are what made you exceptional, not your founders. Their founders played a role, but the principles are tried, tested, and true. Something to think about this weekend. As always, we finish up today's show by saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. Those men and women who risk it all to live and have a better tomorrow for each and every one of us who are self-sacrificing in everything they do. And lastly, I salute you, the American people. Never ever forget the sentiments of Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. You're not great because of Donald Trump. You're not great because of Barack Obama. You're not great because of the Democrats or the Republicans or the Libertarians or the Conservatives or anybody. You're great because of your people. Your people doing amazing things. Don't ever forget that. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with a family and a friend. You all have a blessed week. freedom versus freebies this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network